Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined with Gunners Town. Not in the studio tonight, but don't you worry, don't you fret, because they are still with me, Dave Seeger and Chris Howard, to talk all about the agony of crashing out to Olympiacos in the Europa League last Thursday. But that agony was short-lived, wasn't it? Because Liverpool lost in the Premier League. That is what we are excited about. It's what certainly what I'm dining out about, because they couldn't get that Premier League league unbeaten Arsenal the only invincibles the only team to go that Premier League season unbeaten and of course the Gunners in action tonight playing Pompey in the fifth round of the FA Cup at Fratton Park in what we know is a massive game Arsenal's last chance of silverware this season well team news is just coming into us Martinez is starting goal I for one said it would be Leno and I really thought it would after that defeat on Thursday but it is Martinez, Socrates at right back, David Luiz, Pablo Mari gets his Arsenal debut, Saka starting, Guendouzi, Torreira, Reese Nelson back in the team, Willock, Martinelli and Eddie Nketiah is leading the lineup. Well, let's go to our team. It is Dave Seeger and Chris Howard. Dave, we'll start with you. Always good to get you on. Missing you in the studio tonight, but you are here with us. Pablo Mari is starting. We'll start with the, with the good rather than the bad and the ugly, which was Olympiacos. Pablo Mari is starting. Eddie Nketiah is leading the way. What do you make of the team news? Well, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm pleased to see Mari get a start. and I, I did think he would because this is an obvious game. But what's going to be interesting for me is I'm surprised that it's Louise who's playing alongside him because obviously Louise has been playing on the left all season. So Mari being a left footer is, is logical to play on the left, but mm. I'm surprised that it's Louise. I thought, you know, it might have been Socrates or Mustafi playing alongside him. But no, well, that's, that's an interesting partnership to see, certainly. But it's nice to have a natural left footer in the side, finally. Yeah, and a fairly strong lineup, Dave. I was thinking maybe stronger, obviously, because of the Europa League exit, but no Lacazette, no Abamyang, no Abamyang even on the bench. We were maybe wondering if Holding would get minutes and obviously Maitland Niles. What do you make of the team overall? Pleased with it for tonight? Yeah, I'm very pleased. I'm pleased to see Martinelli starting. I'm pleased to see Eddie get another chance. And, and obviously, you know, one could argue right now that, you know, Nketiah over Lacazette isn't necessarily weak in the side. I mean, Lacazette's form has been is so poor. And last Thursday in particular, you know, he, he did very little to further his chances of, uh, of uh, not only staying in the Arsenal side, but, you know, much, much touted. He wants to move to a side that's going to give him Champions League football on current form he, he wouldn't deserve that quite frankly but I'm pleased to see Nelson back in the fold as well he's had obviously a bit of a, a niggly injury but it's nice to see him back and I think I think Arteta likes Nelson a lot so hopefully he'll have a good 
display tonight. Yeah, a good display tonight. Many rumours swirling around when it comes to Lacazette. He was one that claimed this week he didn't have a clause in his contract that he would be able to leave if Arsenal didn't qualify for the Champions League. Let's go to our very own Sherlock Holmes. It is Mr Chris Howard, the best dressed fan show guest amongst all the fan shows. Not with us tonight, Chris, but I can imagine you are suitly in, in very good attire wherever you may be. No, uh, no Leno in goal. I know I was the one that said that. What do you make of the team lineups? Let's, let's have a little bit of a rewind, shall we, from last weekend <laughs> when you said okay. that um, you know you've got to go Leno, you've got to go Leno. So I still actually, believe that Leno. Leno was one of the guys that cost us an issue, wasn't he, last weekend, mm. last uh, Thursday, because ultimately he was party to the um, the problem that we had uh, in conceding our second goal right at the end, but. You know, these things happen. He's been brilliant all season. So I guess the uh, moral of the story is, is that none of us actually know what we're talking about, do we? <laughs> but when, when we did lose on Thursday night, Chris, did you think, oh, maybe we might see Leno then? We might be, as I was saying to Dave, the strongest possible outfit tonight because it does represent the last chance for a trophy this season. Uh, I didn't think we would, actually, because I think this is the sort of game where if you're not going to play Martinez in a game like this, then you're probably not going to play him at all. And then you go back to the old adage of, all right, so are we going to essentially have just a number one keeper and a number two keeper back like in the 90s when we used to have Dave Seaman and no one could remember the uh, the reserve keeper's names. But, you know, it to me, it makes sense to play Martinez. I'm kind of okay with playing Martinez. What I'm no, not okay with is playing Sogradis at uh, right back because I've got no idea what Ainsley Maitland-Niles has done. But the, mm. that Greek guy is not a right back, and he showed it against Olympiacos away. You know, he's he's done an admirable job, but I don't understand why we have um, forgone a mobile, um, you know, hard-running. Um, decent player in in Maitland-Niles unless Maitland-Niles has said do you know what I don't actually want to uh, play right back at all thanks uh, Arteta in in which case well I don't think he would have but in which case then you can understand it. Dave for you have you heard anything about Maitland-Niles because on the show last week and we didn't get to speak to you we're wondering where's this fall from grace really been for Maitland-Niles because he's someone that we haven't seen at all and we're hearing about holding maybe getting minutes Nelson tonight Mari getting his debut and still you know against Portsmouth league one opposition albeit unbeaten at home this year we're still not seeing Maitland-Niles like Chris just said. I'm not hearing any whispers like we heard, obviously, quite publicly about Guendouzi, but that would be my guess. I mean, I have heard in the past that Maitland-Niles isn't the best trainer. Um, and, and obviously, sometimes on the pitch, you know, he looks very languid. And I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm speculating entirely here that, that maybe, you know, he's just not, you know, cutting the mustard in training as far as Arteta's concerned. I just imagine Arteta sets very high standards on the training pitch. And just maybe Maitland-Niles isn't, isn't quite, you know, cutting it as far as that's concerned. Other than that, I can't think of any reason. I mean, he, he certainly wasn't out of form when he was dropped for Bellerin coming back. I was surprised that Bellerin came straight in against Chelsea, to be fair. And, and Bellerin actually has done nothing to sort of suggest that he is our long-term right-back because he's nowhere near the level he's at previously. So, yeah, very surprised that Maitland-Niles isn't playing tonight. And what do you both make of the game tonight? And we'll start with you, Chris. Obviously, like I said, it is League One opposition, but this is a team that a third in League One have not lost at home, actually played two games in quick succession, which were both at home, beating MK Dons 3-1, Rochdale 3-0 on Friday night. This is a team firing for Kenny Jacket at the minute. We spoke to Jordan Cross on last week's show. They're going to be up for it, playing with no pressure, and the pressure may be a little bit more now, increased on Arsenal uh, since the defeat on Thursday. 
Yeah, well, I think there's a few things to bear in mind. Number one is, like you said, they don't really have as much pressure on them because they're not expected to win this game. Everyone's probably expecting Arsenal to be winning. I haven't seen the odds. I suspect Arsenal are quite heavy favourites. Number two, um, they're used to winning football matches. And that's the same with Olympiacos. And, and a lot of teams like Olympiacos, you know, they aren't as technically good as some of the Arsenal teams that we've had over the years. And certainly that team that played on Thursday aren't as good as um, the Arsenal team that, that came out from a technical perspective. But they're used to winning football matches. And Portsmouth are used to winning football matches. So they're going to be able to have a go. I think what they're going to try and do, because I, I believe, again, I'm not an expert with Portsmouth, but I believe that they try and exploit the wide areas. I think Kenny Jackett plays a 4 2 3 one similar to ours, but they rely a lot on those wide players pressing. But I just wonder if Portsmouth take a similar approach to what Burnley did with us. Because if you remember in the Burnley game, what Burnley did is they pressed their forwards high to put our defenders under pressure, but they dropped their defence back to create loads of space in the middle of the park. And that was a game which really showed Meza Ozil was just you know, wasn't delivering because he had acres of space and Mesut Ozil of three, four years ago would just, you know, he'd, he'd relish having that much space in the middle of the park. So Burnley completely seeded the midfield and just said, all right, well, we're going to press you and put you under pressure up top. And then in defence, we're going to, you know, be resolute and compact. And I wonder if Portsmouth say the same thing. They say, well, we'll press high, but we're not going to press all all the banks high and leave ourselves open to, on the counter because if you think about it you've got Martinelli, Nelson and Nketiah uh, playing up front and they're all pretty decent in terms of and tidy in terms of their pace. So I'd fancy that that's what um, Portsmouth might do tonight. Dave and what are your thoughts on the game? Well I think I think one of the interesting things if you look at the 11, the 11 that was starting there's only three that started on Thursday night so I don't think there's a hangover as far as the players are concerned. In fact, the complete opposite. I think you, you, you've seen under Arteta that if you're playing well in training and, and you perform when you come on as a sub, you've got a very good chance of starting the next game. I think he's, everyone's got a clean slate. So there's some, there's some serious points to prove. I mean, Martinelli must be wondering, you know, why he's, he's been not selected the much, so much the last few weeks after sort of three or four fantastic games. So he'll be raring to go. And Ketty has obviously, you know, scored when he's played. So he'll be relishing it. And I think Nelson is definitely going to be really, really keen to prove a point because of the youngsters, he's the one who's had the least football this season. Uh, and obviously Torreira so, and, and Guendouzi. So barring Luis, Saka and, and, and um, who's the one other player? I was just thinking there was three players. Oh, Saka, Saka Luis. No, in fact, it is only two, is it? It's only two players who started on Thursday. So, yeah, so there's a load. There's, there's nine players there who, who haven't got a hangover and have got a point to prove. Yeah, so I think that's a positive. And Dave, on that point to prove, because, you know, it was such a, a high, maybe not a, a, an incredible performance, but, you know, winning on the weekend, beating Olympiacos uh, the week before in that first leg. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but seeing such a subdued, you know, under par performance on the week, not getting really out of the blocks quick enough. You know, there's probably many reasons why we will talk about them. We need to see that tonight. It was a bit strange that we saw it then on Thursday, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I was just chatting to people in the pub before the game. I, I was in that mindset that I didn't, I, I don't go to Arsenal right now expecting us to lose anymore. Whereas I've had that mindset for a long time where I, don't, I didn't go into games with confidence. Because of the recent run of form and the fact that we were unbeaten in 2020, you know, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that we weren't going to be out of the traps fast and win that game quite comfortably. I guess that's the problem because... I was listening to Perry Groves, uh, you know, early in the week on the radio, but saying, you know, it, it, it's sometimes it's not a case of they're not trying, but you just lose that five or ten percent if your mindset is this is this this is a walk in the park, 
And I just think that's what happened. I think there was too much overconfidence. There was too much expectancy, expectancy that it was going to be easy. And it's not as if Olympiacos did a massive amount of brilliant things. It's just that we weren't at the races. So I can't imagine that Arteta will let that happen again. So I do think we'll be out of the traps very quickly tonight, definitely. Yeah, out of the traps very quickly tonight. It's such an important game for the Gunners in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Winning tonight, seeing them home to the quarterfinals. The game has to be ended tonight. No uh, replay, obviously. Extra time and penalties. Hopefully not needed for the Gunners. But as Dave said it there, not coming out of the blocks on that Thursday night game to Olympiacos. And we will be doing an inquest and reviewing that game next. Love Sports. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sports Radio. And remember, there is still time to have your say tonight with the Gunners in action this evening facing Portsmouth in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 Well, there are sometimes things are asked of us that we don't want to do, a responsibility that falls to us that we don't really feel that we need to do it but we have to do it. And that is because we need to look now at the Olympiacos game, which was on Thursday. Absolute agony for the Arsenal team, falling, crashing out of the Europa League when they expected to go so far in the competition. And after holding that 1-0 lead in the first leg, beating Olympiacos out in Greece. Chris, we'll start with you. Dave, please come in afterwards. Chris, where did it all go wrong? I think it started wrong. Um, from the first minute the ball was kicked. I said in my blog the day afterwards that it was one of the most unprofessional Arsenal performances I've seen in a very long time. And what I mean by unprofessional is not that the players didn't care. I think it was quite obvious at the end that they did all care. I think it was a mindset thing. I really do. I just think that they thought that they'd had the job done. And to be fair, you know, you go away from home to somewhere like Olympiacos, you get the 1-0 victory, you take it back to your place. And we as fans, maybe we were as guilty as well because I didn't even occur to me that um, Olympiacos had anything about them. And when I look back on the, the chances that they created in the game, it was just stupidity on Arsenal's port, uh, sort of um, side rather than Olympiacos doing anything brilliant. And so that's where I see it as unprofessional. You know, it was a underestimating the opposition. It was a classic um, Arsenal situation and we find ourselves out of a competition. And really, the season is borderline over now because I don't think we're going to get that far in the FA Cup. And this is a tall, tall ask to get fifth or even fourth this season. And Dave, what about you? Well, I think we're going to win the FA Cup. So there you go. Because um, it's ours, <laughs> basically. And we just haven't had it for a couple of years. Um, I yeah, I mean it was a very it was a poor performance on Thursday, um, uh, and there were the ap- the apathy was definitely there that the attitude was wrong. But I just think some of the decisions, you know, not 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 only by the manager but by players as well. I think sometimes senior players have got to take a bit of responsibility. I liked it at the start of the game when Pepe started on the left and and, and Aubameyang was on the right. I thought well they, they're not going to be expecting that. You know, within five minutes they'd gone back to their own flanks, and I thought oh fair enough. Well. Hopefully they're just going to do this with a regular basis because I'm a fan of that. And we never do it. And and when you look at Pepe, however much, how many tricks he's got, if he wants to beat the same man 17 times, it doesn't make any difference, does it? He's always ultimately going to have to cut back onto his cut back onto his left foot. And every single defender, apart, if he was playing tonight, the Pompey right, the Pompey, the Pompey left back would have it sussed. It's getting to the point where it's embarrassing. So you know, I would have thought. Let's let's just talk amongst ourselves. Let's swap flanks now and again. Let's keep them guessing. Let's you know go on the outside on our own feet once or twice. And there was just nothing of that. There was nothing of that. None of the senior players took it by the scruff of the neck, which was 
which is what I was surprised at because we have had instances this year where the likes of Aubameyang and particularly Louise, um, you know, Bellerin to a degree against Chelsea. We've seen that sort of fist pumping. We've seen that. Come on, come on. We're not performing here. We didn't see it. I don't, I don't know what it was. I know, I know we've always, you know, moaned that we haven't got enough leaders on the pitch. But I think, you know, we, I think Mustafi going off was a problem. He's been, he's been a leader, amazingly, given how much we were slighting him earlier in the season. But yeah, just, just generally, the lack of leadership and lack of taking responsibility on the pitch. Sorry, I'm nattering on. And the other one was, it was so totally obvious to every single person in that stadium that Martinelli should have come on earlier. Mm. Um, and when he did come on, he virtually changed the game, as he always does. And I know it's ridiculous to say that of an 18-year-old, but he does. And like I say... Do you think... You know, sorry, Dave. Do you think, that, um, do you think that Arteta's... We need to start asking some questions about Arteta's timing of subs then. Well, I haven't, I haven't certainly thought about it in any other game. To be honest, I mean that that is just that particular instance. So, why have, have you noticed it on other games where you think he's not reacting quickly enough? Yeah, I mean it's just been it's been something that I've heard a couple of people pick up on. Like his subs haven't been great tactically. You know, do we need to ask questions? You know, he's still a young manager, etc., etc., etc. But I just I I feel like like you said, like I was screaming for Lacazette to come off because he was only a stinker. To get him off, mm. if it's not working, get him off. Don't be afraid to make that decision. And maybe that's just a learning element from Arteta's perspective. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I think, do you, do you agree there was a just lack of, general lack of leadership from the experienced players on the night? And 100%. I, Chris, on 100%. that leadership and for you, Dave, we're talking about, I think this performance came so left field because, you know, we have been excited this year under Arteta. Dave, you always speak about, finally, we know our identity, the direction yeah, yeah. that we are heading. And also, albeit a lot of draws, but we were unbeaten this year and we were starting to think, oh, you know, we've finally found something. Dave, for me, a, a smile on my face when you said, you know, you're going to Arsenal now thinking, you know, we can win. And, and maybe were we sort of lulled into a full sense then in that the the Olympiacos game and even the players were feeling a little bit like like you said earlier this is going to be a lot easier than we anticipate tonight I think sometimes yeah there was definitely that but I think also sometimes we forget the difference between playing Premier League opposition and playing that way in the Premier League and perhaps playing away or home in Europe against a slightly different type of side I think I think we tried to play the same way that had worked against Everton, worked in the second half against Newcastle. You know, that, that's the way it's been working. And, and, and I think there was no tweaks as a result of it not working. Um, and that's probably the learning curve for Arteta. I also thought, despite that, Chris, I agree with Chris, that the, the, the Greeks didn't particularly create, you know, they didn't carve us open, but they were so busy and they were winning all the 50-50s. And, you know, I, I, you know, I know Matt, Matteo Valbuena's well, 35 and he's not, you know, he's not ever going to be the player he was. But crikey, was he busy. You know, he didn't give anyone a rest. And every time he got the ball, you thought something was going to happen. Even if it didn't, you thought it was. And it's just that urgency and that aggressiveness in the middle of the park, you know, when he cut in all the time from the left. And you just think, what, what, why aren't our midfield showing that sort of urgency? And that's, that was what was lacking. It was just the urgency and the, just the ability whether by player or by coach, to just slightly change things when they're not working. That's what he's got to learn, I guess. Chris, we've heard from Arteta, obviously, in the build-up to this Portsmouth game and talking about, obviously, the disappointment of going out of the Europa League and how vital the Champions League is for attracting players and that Arsenal may need to look at the squad this summer and sell players. Maybe that would have been the case anyway because it's Arteta's squad now and we're in the midst of a rebuild. But, obviously, how vital is it that we continue, not only in the FA Cup as well, I know you're that for it, but because of the implications of losing the financial benefits of progressing further in that Europa League? 
Yeah, I think that's massive, isn't it? To be honest with you, people have besmirched the Europa League, but there's a difference between getting knocked out in the round of 32 financially and getting knocked out in the final like we did last year. And all right, it's not Champions League level money, but it's still a few million quid. And, you know, with Arsenal, you know, announcing their financial results a couple of days ago, which Swiss Ramble um, is an excellent Twitter account, as, as Kieran's given some really, really good stats and update on, you know, where Arsenal are at. It's not getting better. Financially, it's not getting better. And even Sir Chips Keswick has been saying, you know, we've been hit by it. Well, when they announce the next, you know, when they get around to this time next year and they announce the next set of results, it's going to be even worse. So something needs to be turned around. And I can't help but look at some of the teams that are performing well. And I know this is obvious to say, but if you perform well on the football pitch, the rest tends to look after itself. Tottenham had a massive swing in revenues last year because of the Champions League. Liverpool have had a massive swing in the last couple of years. And that's we need to we need to essentially reverse this decline, which again I don't want to get into the Cronky debate because, you know, I can't stand uh, KSE and I think that the club has gradually deteriorated under their stewardship. But we need to start picking up results and we need to start the feel-good factor has come back. We've had the wind taken out of our sails against Olympiacos. Now, tonight, is an opportunity to almost consign that to history and say, you know, bad day at the office. Let's get the victory here. And then we look to West Ham at the weekend. and We need to get another victory there. And that's when we need to go on this winning run. I mean, I'm, I was genuinely shocked that we, def- we were defeated. And I think we spoke about it, didn't we, Charlie, last mm. Monday. Myself, yourself and Charlie. I was fully expecting you know, four or five wins in a row. Uh, now and so it just all feels like you know two steps forward one step back well this is it and on that two steps forward one step back it's so hard to have that sustained success at the minute for Arsenal but it's so vital they do with that crashing out of the Europa League but Arteta just talking about it who are the players then if he's saying Dave and I know you want to talk a little bit about Lacazette that we could be looking towards maybe that Arsenal might shift this summer well, I do. I do think Lacazette is a prime candidate, uh, despite his. You know, he's, he says he loves the club and everything. You know, you, you can't. There can't be any other reason for him starting in Ketia in two Premier League games, or two games, unless he wants to have a look at him. Um, I think Martinelli, you know, is is guaranteed to start more football next year. So I think one of Aubameyang or Lacazette will leave the club, if not both, um, and both will still command reasonable amount of money. Um, so I think that will happen. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting to see is is what he does with, with Danny Ceballos. He's obviously shown a lot of faith in him. He's given him sort of two or three starts in a row, playing in the deeper role and letting Shaka play further forward. Most people seem to think that Shaka will definitely be at the club next year. I'm still not convinced that's the case. I think I think that's another position to look at. But, you know, there's so much, there's so many things to consider. But before we do that, let's just take a step back, guys. We We're out of Europe. And we've seen what happens to teams that aren't in Europe in the Premier League. They either win it or they go on a run because they've lost that European football. Now, we, that's the positive we have to be looking for here because Wolves are playing midweek. Man United are playing midweek. Tottenham are playing midweek. Chelsea, are, well, they probably won't be playing midweek, actually. But all the other Neither teams that we're trying to catch, <laughs> we're trying to catch um, are, are going to be more tired than we are on the run-in. So, you know, we have to take this ridiculous negative, which no one saw coming, and turn it into a positive in the two domestic competitions that we're still in. You know, we need to be pushing for fourth or fifth in the Champions League, and we need to be pushing to win the FA Cup. Uh, and if we do one or, one or two of those things or both, then that summer's going to look very different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And Chris, let's talk about that then, because we talk about that top four race. It is still one. Spurs losing, obviously Chelsea and United drawing, and we are only... Uh, 
um, five point. We could cut the gap to five points with the game in hand. We know that game in hand is City, but if Arsenal do go on a run because that loss was in the Europa League, you know, we're talking about the West Ham and really kicking on. This is possible, isn't it? And especially with City's uh, potential European ban, that fifth place it, it is up for grabs as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I remain sceptical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remain sceptical that Man City won't wangle their way out of um, this punishment. That's just my own cynicism. But Surely not. You're right. You're right because the next four or five games are all winnable games. We have some really tough games coming up later on in the season. But if you've built momentum, then you know that's a massive thing. I seem to recall. Uh, I think it was 2000, 2007, 2008 when we got very, very close to the title and sort of slipped up a bit. Um, from February, uh, the start of that season, I think the way that the fixtures fell, we ended up playing like six or seven games out of our first ten at home and three away. And I think we won all of them or nearly all of them. And that actually carried us right through, that momentum carried us right through beyond uh, Christmas. And obviously we fell apart from February time. But, you know, momentum has a big thing in football. And, you know, if you're talking about an Arsenal team that's won five Premier League matches in a row, then suddenly you are playing Tottenham away, for example, or you're playing Liverpool at home, or you're playing Wolves away, and you're thinking, these guys have got the confidence. And that's why the Olympiacos thing was such a kick as well, because you know, if they just get through, even if they played poorly and got through, we're still talking about an unbeaten Arsenal. We could be talking and about And it was Arsenal the same team as well that had won the two Premier League games, wasn't it? That was the weirdest exactly. thing. Exactly. Kicked the strongest exactly. side. Yeah. It's just, it's odd and it's disappointing, but you're absolutely right. Win tonight, beat West Ham, and all of us on, on Saturday, and all of a sudden we're starting to think, do you know what? Maybe, just maybe. I still think there are, if there was, if we were chasing down one team, then it would be different. I'd have a lot more confidence. But we're chasing down three or four. We're chasing down Sheffield United. We're chasing down uh, Man United. We're chasing down Wolves and Tottenham. And if you want to rope that in Chelsea, normally one or two teams can have a bit of a meltdown, but to get like five teams have a meltdown so that you can then leapfrog them. I mean, that's a tall ask. Yeah, we're well, only three or four points off most of them, aren't we? Well, this is it, yeah. now, especially with that game in hand. I mean, the results really went uh, our way on the weekend. Let's let's talk about that after the break. We're going to be talking not only those Premier League results going our way, what is possible in the league. And even though the Gunners play tonight, we will maybe look at the game with West Ham on the weekend. Love sports. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sports Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined with Dave Seeger and Chris Howard from Gunnerstown, talking everything about tonight's game. Arsenal facing Pompey in the fifth round of the FA Cup. That disappointing night on Thursday at the Emirates, crashing out at the hands of Olympiacos and the West Ham game, which is a big one for both teams now on the weekend we will be looking at. But Chris, you just were talking about the Premier League race there and Dave mentioning teams are only a few points in and around us. There are a little bit of rumblings on social media, Chris. I'm sort of being a bit cheeky, but saying that actually the team that maybe no one is talking about and the team that maybe could be feared is Arsenal. A lot of teams going, oh, who is in it? And they only go to 7th or 8th where Wolves and Sheffield United are. But, you know, Arsenal are only there as well. And they win that game in hand. You know, no one would want to face Arsenal in that rich vein of form. Well, yeah. And do you know what? Um Everyone's sort of making, I see a couple of people making a joke about the fact, yeah, you're game in hand against Man City. And yeah, you wouldn't expect us to get anything from that game. And right now, I would concur with that. However, what I would say is that we don't know what the situation is with uh, Man City. We could end up, 
um, playing them after they've just played uh, a very tough game on a Sunday and maybe we've not played or, you know, they've got, they have a lot more games because of the Champions League. You know, they're going to go deep into the FA Cup. We don't know how far we're going to get into the FA Cup. We could end up with a fresher team against Manchester City. And so, you know, that's if I'm looking at it, our glass is half full. The other side of it is that I think the next four or five games are crucial. And the reason why their four or five games are crucial is obviously we've talked about is if you're talking about an Arsenal team that's won five games on the bounce in the Premier League, it's a very different type of Arsenal team to that that's been stuttering its way through this season. Because, you know, as we talked about uh, just before the break, momentum is everything. And if this Arsenal team, it, it, Arsenal have always been a confidence team ever since the days of, of Wenger, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten games in a row, row winning, and there's the swagger about Arsenal. And I think this team and these types of players, they just need a series of wins, which we've not been able to put together all season with any kind of consistency. But a series of wins makes things look a very, very different proposition. And then, like I say, we've got tough games like Leicester at home or Wolves away. But if it's an Arsenal team that have won six in a row and you're playing you know, walks away, you'd st- you fancy them to have a little bit more swagger about them because your passing's a little bit better. You're, you know, you've got players willing to take risk, more risks because they think things are going to come off. So it's, I think it's all up in the air. And I think essentially the top, the Champions League spots will, it sounds stupid to say this and obvious, but it's going to be determined on the next four Premier League games based purely on if Arsenal win it. If we win a couple and draw a couple, you're not building that momentum. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think it's out of out of the realms of possibility that Leicester fall away. I think they've won one in the last two months in the Premier League. Mm. Um, it just shows the form of those below that they're still there, to be honest. And so they're not in form, so that's not that shouldn't be a frightening game. Tottenham are, you know, woeful at the moment. That shouldn't be a frightening game. So on paper they look like frightening games. But if, as Chris says, if we got the momentum of beating West Ham, beating Brighton, winning a few games, we're already beating Newcastle, Everton. So we're four or five games, as Chris says. You know why? Why was? Why should Leicester at home be scary? You know, if if we're on four or five game unbeaten run, why should Tottenham away? You know, when they haven't got a striker, be scary. You know, it's in our own minds. You know, we we just had one bad game since probably Boxing Day, um, and and we're getting a bit you know sensitive. You know, this is one blip, and it was a big blip, but it was in a competition that's now over. We've got two competitions we're in, and I think you know I think things that concern me more are, are individual things like what the hell's happened to Hector Bellerin. Now, what the hell's happened to Alexandra Lacassette? These are the things that worry me rather than, you know, what's going to happen in May. I think we've got a cracking chance. We've just got, we've just got to get that momentum and get those few individual errors sorted out again. And we're fine, honestly. I think the problem is, though, Dave, isn't it? It's, we've, we've had a cracking chance at certain parts earlier on in the season and then we've not taken them. We've spoke on this show on a Monday going, if we just get this result tonight against Sheffield United, if we just beat Bournemouth, and then, we, then ourselves, we've not taken that cracking chance. It's, it's never as simple as that, is it? Yeah, but that was a, few, that was two, that was a month ago. You know, we have won the last two Premier League games. Um, and so, you know, we just left to park the Europa League. You know, we've got, we, we were lucky with the way we had a lot of away games. We've now got three out three home games. We won two of them. And the third one's West Ham, who are, you know, in a relegation, relegation dogfight and who we generally tend to beat. So we could have nine points out of nine in the Premier League. Mm. Um, I think Brighton's the game after that. So, you know, it's quite well within the realms of possibilities, Chris says, to have gone full run beat. 
And, and just away from Arsenal uh, for a second, but obviously still the Arsenal perspective. There was a little bit of fun on the weekend after Arsenal lost uh, to Olympiacos in the Europa League. Liverpool losing at the hands of Watford, 3-0, meaning they don't go unbeaten in the Premier League. Uh, only one team to do it, Arsenal's Invincibles. Lots being made afterwards on social media. What, uh, what was your reaction, both of you, after the game? Well, um, I found it humorous. I found it funny ever since the game, actually, to see the salty <laughs> scousers that seem to have come Unbelievable. out. Unbelievable. The, uh, they, they are not happy, are they? I mean, don't they understand that football is about banter? Do mm. so Arsenal fans really think that, oh, yeah, look at us. We've got so much more to crow about than them right now. Of course we don't. But what we do have is, and what we have had, is a football team that were absolutely special. They were so special from number one to 11. In fact, I'd say one to 16 in terms of the squad. You know, and with every year that passes, the, that achievement becomes more and more impressive. And the older that I get, the more I look back on it and think, I wish I'd have just appreciated more of the time. And just the final thing I'd also mention on that is, I like, I like it that, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, why are we always talking about this? Well, it gives me a chance to relive it every year. So I'm more than mm. happy for people to be talking about it, to be saying, oh, you know, Arsenal living on their past, blah, blah, blah. Football is about history, it's about memories, and we got a fantastic memory with the Invincibles. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would echo all that. And there's individual things as well that everyone talks about, oh, yeah, we drew loads of games. Well, we drew a lot of games after we'd already won the league. So let's see what happens to Liverpool when they've won the league in April. Let's see if they win every game 4 or 5 nil. They probably won't because the pressure's off and they'll be concentrating on other things. So that happens. That's a really and good secondly, point. And, and secondly, we, we were, I mean... <laughs> I can't put too much... This sounds like sour grapes, but Liverpool this season are competing with one team. You know, one team. I mean, back then, you know, it was, it, there was a lot of tough games in, in, in that era. It wasn't just Man United. Liverpool were there. There were other teams. And, and this season has just been a bit of a weird season. And I, I won't take anything away from Liverpool because I think they're fantastic to watch. Um, you know, I don't think they're as good as Man City two years ago. I don't think they're as good as Man City last year, but they're a cracking team and they've got a great squad and I, I think they've got a great manager. But yeah, Chris is right. Their fans need to take a chill pill. You know, this is, you know, and, and I've seen it quoted on social media by lots of Arsenal fans. The simple fact of the matter is, and this is a fact, in five years' time, people won't remember how many points Liverpool got to win the Premier League. They'll still be talking about the Invincibles. Yeah, and also, Dave, I've got to admit, something you said, they go, oh, Arsenal got a lot of draws. Arsenal did get a lot of draws, but the one thing they did do, they went unbeaten in the season. For me, it sounds ridiculous. I'm I'm petty like that. I don't care if it was 38 draws. They were unbeaten for that season. So I don't really understand that argument from not just Liverpool fans, opposing fans who try to water down that achievement. The The one argument I will take, and I have seen this on Twitter, and they're right, is we capitulated in the Champions League. And if you'd asked me, you know, back in time, at that time which was more important, having won two Premier League titles just before. In, you know, most, most Arsenal fans at that time, we probably would have loved to win the Champions League in 2004. We got to the quarterfinals. It was an easy one to win. You know, it was Marseille versus Porto in the final. I mean, we should have been in that final. And that was, that was depressing. Um, but you still can't take away from the fact the consistency of doing that. And the other thing that's been made, it, we, we only lost one game in 1991 when it was 42 games. You know, Liverpool hadn't even done close to that. 
Yeah, it's um, so it's strange. Obviously, losing uh, in uh, 44 games unbeat for them, 49 for Arsenal at the minute. But as Chris said, some salty, salty uh, Liverpool fans, even though they keep telling they don't care about that achievement, even though if you look at all the mentions, maybe they would disagree. Let's quickly talk about the new Premier League Hall of Fame that is being introduced. Uh, we don't know who the first inductees would be. Two questions then. Dave, I'll start with you and then go over to Chris. I want two names who you think should be them from an Arsenal perspective, Purely Arsenal Hall of Fame Premier League players and two names outside of Arsenal who you think should be the two first inductees. We'll start with you, Dave. Well, from Arsenal's perspective, obviously Tony Adams is, is number one and he should be number one inside and outside Arsenal, in my view, because no one's captain aside to three league titles in three decades. That will never happen again. So Tony Adams would be would be the one for me. And... Um, you know, it'd be tight between Burkham and Henri, but if it was Arsenal, I think I'd probably just have to say Tony Adams and Thierry Henry would be the two for me from the Premier League era. And Chris, what about you, the two from Arsenal? So do I get do I have to pick two new ones or, or No, what? you can pick two if you agree with Dave. You might you agree, agree with, you with Dave. Want, Chris? You, we're all a team here, it's Gunners Town. What's the matter with you, Chris? You can agree with well, Dave. Well just I mean I, I do agree with Dave. So I don't but I don't want to make that sound sounds a bit boring. So I will say <laughs> I'll pick two alternates. Okay. So I would then put pick Dennis Burkamp, certainly. But um, I'm torn between Ian Wright and Patrick Vieira. I really am torn between Tough. those two because pa- Patrick Vieira was such a... He was the, sort of the flagship signing for Wenger, one of the first signings, and really he helped to catapult us into the dominance that we had. But Ian Wright was just an absolute machine of a goal scorer. And he crossed... The thing is, Ian Wright crossed over both Premier Sorry, League and fair, the, old league, the old... The old um, you know, championship um, as it was. So division one. Yeah, I'm, yeah, division one. That's it. That was it. What's Dave. that? So, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> too young, Charlie. Too young, mate. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Burkamp, and I'm still going to say Vieira though. Although Ian Wright. It's a difficult one. All right. Well, we don't like to because it is the Arsenal fan show, but two names do you think are deserving, uh, even if they have no links to Arsenal? So easy. So easy. Alan Shearer and Ryan Giggs. No question. Yeah, Helen Shearer and Ryan Giggs. Reasons that, I mean, the reasons are pretty obvious, but just for the listeners. Well, he's more goals than anyone else and more more titles and more, you know, experiences than anyone else in the other case. So, yeah, I mean, I I think, I don't think there's any argument for me. Chris, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, again, Come those on, are the two names are in my head. If I was to pick, if I was to pick some additional ones, do you know what I really, oh, really enjoy well, watching? Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed watching Gianfranco Zola at oh, times. Okay. I thought he was a fantastic footballer. Um, and yeah, who else would I pick? Um, it's you have to look at the big teams like the Chelsea. I mean, Didier Drogba was a monster as well. I hated him, but he was a monster as well um, when he really got going. Um, it, well, he he tormented it. Arsenal. You've gone for two Chelsea players there, Chris. I'm a little bit hurt yeah, by that. No, That's a shocker, mental, isn't it? Yeah, maybe What's you should have it? had a longer think about it, or just agreed with Dave. I think that would have been that would have been more suited to it. <laughs> One thing that fans are doing when we're talking about the Premier League Hall of Fame, everyone's mentioning players. Not a lot of people are mentioning managers, but you'd have to say Arsene Wenger, Sir Alex Ferguson, got to be in with a shout for this Hall of Fame, surely? Yeah, well, I thought certainly. it was only players, um, but yeah, definitely. yeah. Is it only yeah, Plaz, Dave? I mean, I've not actually seen that. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, I was going to say you have to look at. You also have to look at the recent stuff as well. So Pep Guardiola, you know, getting his team to a hundred points—that's one hell of an achievement. And they seem to win. You know, the they, what, they win trophies every single season. Even at the weekend, they've, they've picked up another trophy. So eight I think of the last nine time, domestic trophies. 
exactly. You've got it's to incredible. look at Pep Guardiola for what he's delivered. And potentially, you know, if Klopp delivers the league title to Liverpool, you know, if they, he's probably got to win a couple more trophies. But you can't argue that Klopp is, is on the right track towards getting there at the moment. Yeah, and Dave, Even have if you heard... have ridiculous teeth. Yeah, well, that, that, that's another uh, question, Chris. But Dave, have you heard, is it only players or is it managers as well? Because I actually don't know the criteria, but you would think surely on some of the managers and Guardiola, as Chris mentioned there, would be shoe-ins for the, for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this, this is just the first two. I just I, I assumed it was players because when I saw them talking about it on, uh, on both Football Focus and Match of the Day, they were asking the pundits, you know, the players. Mm. So I just, I guess I just assumed, to be honest with you, Charlie. Yeah, no, it's just because I think normally when they they, they seem to have copied uh, America, don't they, in the NFL, in the NBA, the Hall of Fame, and I know that is coaches as well or or players that have contributed in certain ways behind the scenes. Who knows how this one will work. Even though Arsenal are in action tonight, it is Portsmouth. We'll be quickly talking about that because the game has just kicked off, but we will look towards the West Ham game, which is on the weekend. Love sports. You're listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sports Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined with Gunners Tan, Chris Howard and Dave Seeger tonight, talking about, obviously, Arsenal, who are in action and have just kicked off against Portsmouth in the fifth round of the FA Cup and obviously looking at that disappointment with Olympiacos in the Europa League. Arsenal have just kicked off. Guys, if you see anything and you want to talk about it, please shout out. But let's quickly turn to our crystal ball, turn our attentions to the game on the weekend. It is West Ham. They are fighting for their life in the Premier League but they did get the win on the weekend beating Southampton so maybe a good little bit of form on the horizon for them Dave Yeah I'm what I gather listening to West Ham fans on, on the station and, and, and a few of my mates that they've been crying out I think for Haller to have someone alongside him and every time he has someone alongside him in this case Antonio he looks a different player you know his, his link up play is very good and he's been too isolated all season sort of in the 4-2-3-1 so I think Moyes will stick with that which which scares me because I think Mikel Antonio is a hell of a player when he's fit and he's just a barrage he's a He's a beast of a player, so that 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 worries me slightly. Um, that they they found a bit of form, but nevertheless, I'd still I'd still be quietly confident because we do have a bit of a voodoo sign over West Ham in recent seasons. To be honest, yeah. And what yeah, about you, Chris? Good. It was a good uh, result at Upton Park or London Stadium. Sorry, not Upton Park, the London Stadium, um, and that was um, Division that One, one Upton Park. That... How old are you, Chris? I know. What's wrong with me? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Younger um, than me, sadly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I worry, unlike Dave, I worry about Antonio um, because he's such a physical presence and he's such a hard runner as well. And, you know, he looks really good. Like my brother's a West Ham fan. And I was WhatsApping him uh, on um, at the weekend and just saying, like, just looking at Antonio, you know, he looked like he was the player that made the difference. And so that worries me that he's he's banging form. And just a quick one on the uh, on the game tonight. So Martin has already flapped it across a ball that's, uh, that's deep, sort of lodged into the back post, headed back, and then Martinez has flapped it here and we get the ball away. And um, the other thing I'd like to mention is that Portsmouth pitch is absolutely delightful. I told I you. I remember, I seem to recall Thank Portsmouth you. having an absolute bog of a pitch, but it looks amazing. What looks did like I tell you, football mate? Manager or FIFA, FIFA soccer. Yeah, they can play their football a bit. They've done a disservice last week. They really played themselves down. Chris, the question on my mind, and hopefully Dave's mind, which is, is also on everyone's mind at the minute, and it's the big question, how comes you're an Arsenal fan and the brothers a West Ham fan? What happened? Um, Short straws. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, my, half our family are all from uh, East London, actually. All from you the saw Stratford the light. Area. 
Yeah, I did. I did see the light. It was a combination of um, family, friend taking me to Arsenal before I got inducted into into the West Ham world uh, as a very young child, and then I had a few mates as well. Um, but it's mainly, you know, you go to a game, your first game when you're about six years old. You know, 1989 was was my first game, um, and it was against Nottingham Forest, and it was just it just got me hooked. So went from there. Went from there, went from there. And what are you making, obviously, uh, the West Ham challenge on the weekend? We know we're at home, Chris, but they are fighting. And this could really, you said it there, we have to go four or five wins now. Not only was the Europa League maybe derailing, how much would a draw or a loss be derailing as well? Yeah, I think we're now out of, I, mean, I feel like I've said this a few times on the show, but we're basically out of time when it comes to any dreams of the, uh, the Champions League sports, aren't we? Let's be realistic. We... You know, if we if we don't pick up just wins and a consistent um, volume of wins, then you've got no chance. And we have to win the next few games. So, you know, if we draw at the weekend, it's probably done. But then we'll probably be having this conversation in about two weekends' time after Wolves, Sheffield United, Leicester, Man United and Tottenham have all inexplicably lost or something. So, you know, it feels like this season won't just... It's just never-ending, isn't it, uh, in terms of, you know, we get a bit of hope and then it's taken away and then we get a bit more hope and then it's taken away. So I would hope we'll get something against West Ham. I think they're a better team than their league form, um, uh, their league form suggests. I also think that, you know, they gave Liverpool a, a good, um, a good game on Liverpool's own turf. And, you know, if it wasn't for old flappy Hansky, they might've got a result out of it. So, you know, it's not going to, they're not going to be mugs. This isn't going to be easy on Saturday, Saturday, but at least it's a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah, it just feels yeah. weird at the minute because Dave feels slightly upbeat about Arsenal. We're going to win the FA Cup and about where we are. And, and not that you're not upbeat, Chris. You, I suppose you're just being realistic and cautious. But there's quite a difference in your the, the pair of you, your outlook towards Arsenal at the minute. Is that fair or, or wrong? Does that not reflect the fan base, though? Because the mm. fan base is a bit like that. You've got people that are like the mental end of, you know, the world is going to end and this is all horrible, and we're never going to win a football match again. And then you've got the complete crazy people that think, you know, oh, well, you know we're going to go on a run now and finish fourth. But well, that's me and Dave. We're sipping speaking. it up in paradise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Join us. But I think, broadly speaking, most of us are somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Right. Well, Dave, apparently we're quite crazy on the crazy end, but what, 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 why is there a split then in the fan base, the, the two at the minute? Or, or do you think there, there isn't one that Chris alludes to? No, no, I think, well, I think if you'd asked Chris the question on Thursday at six o'clock, it might have been a different answer. I mean, that, mm. that was shocking and, and, and that, that has knocked the wind out of a lot of people's sails and, and it did for me for a couple of days. But I just, you know, you just, with football, the beauty of the game is there is always another game and another game, you know, is the FA Cup and the next game is the league and they're different competitions. So we, I'm just, I'm just, I'm choosing to believe that our momentum in the league you know, is more important than one game. You know, we haven't we haven't lost. You know, in weeks, months. So it's one game, and I just think we have to try and look at it in isolation because I think it's inexplicable that those same players would perform that badly again. I mean, they didn't even perform that badly in the second half. To be fair, it was just one mistake. Uh, and if Aubameyang had got his normal shooting boots on, we would have been through. So it wasn't a great performance. We lost. We just had to shake it down and move on to the next competition, which is tonight. Yeah, we haven't really spoken about that. How uh, glorious Aubameyang is scoring that goal and then missing that sitter. But oh. we, we we haven't even covered it. I don't know how we've not covered it in tonight's show. We still maybe because I've. I've 
actually chosen to eradicate it from our mind that that never happened and we never actually got a last minute chance. The game is going on now. It's a bit of a weird one, but Chris, we'll start with you. Prediction for tonight and prediction for West Ham on the weekend. I'd like to think that we, I think this is going to be scrappy. Just the opening exchanges, it looks very scrappy. It's more, the ball's more in our half than it is Portsmouth's. But um, I think we'll win it by the odd goal. I think we'll concede. So I'm going to go for 2-1 tonight. Uh, West Ham at the weekend, again, I think it'll be difficult. I think um, we're, we're not amazing defensively. So I think we'll still concede. I'd probably go for a 2-1 at the weekend as well. 2-1 at the weekend. Dave, uh, for you tonight, uh, Paul, 3-0 three, three three, three tonight. Um, and I haven't even seen the opening 10 minutes. 3-0 um, tonight and 3-1 at the weekend. I do, I do. I, we haven't mentioned it, but Jared Bowen looks like a good signing for West Ham. Um, and if they stay in the Premier League, he'll be a good addition to them. He, he looked very good in both the two games. He came on against Liverpool and he played the whole game against Southampton. Looks a tasty mm. player. Good decision to buy him, I think, in January. Yeah, and it looked like they weren't going to play him. Dave, just a quick message for you, because producer Josh, who's just wrote to me, said, tell Dave that uh, each prediction uh, is not going to happen based on the first 10 minutes that he's not watched. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I, I think everyone would have said we'll go out to Leeds at half-time, wouldn't they? Yeah, so very... 90-minute game, Josh. It's a 90-minute game. <laughs> he's laughing. Dave, Chris, always a, be, uh, a pleasure to be joined by you. Sadly, not uh, not to see you, though, as we uh, always do once a week. Dave Seager and Chris Howard joining us there. They can safely go and enjoy their football tonight because Arsenal are playing Portsmouth. Who knows what next week's show will bring. Last week, we were going to be talking about Europa League qualification and just how it was all rosy. Well, they didn't go through. Can they go through tonight? West Ham on the weekend. It is going to be a big one for the Gunners. And you can join us as you can every week. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558. for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.